Hi, I'm Charles Gauthier, President and CEO of the Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association. The DVBA is so proud to support this daily podcast series that is helping our community navigate through these trying times. As we all settle into what we hope is a temporary new normal, please consider helping support our local businesses. Whether it's by getting takeout from your favorite restaurant or giving a local shop a great review, it all adds up. Thanks everyone and stay safe. Thanks for watching Coping with COVID-19. Before we get to our regular video interview, here is a short COVID-19 related news update. TransLink this week announced that it will be temporarily laying off around 1,500 employees. That's one measure it's taking to cut costs. Another, it will be extending suspensions of its transit services. This includes bus, SkyTrain, West Coast Express, and CBUS routes. Recently, the company said that it is losing about $75 million a month and has pled for financial assistance from provincial and federal governments. And the BC Supreme Court has extended its suspension of regular services and operations until May 29th. But those who do have civil or family law matters that have been disrupted or adjourned because of the suspension can, starting today, schedule a COVID-19 telephone conference hearing. That's available to those who have had their matter adjourned, but their matter isn't an urgent or essential matter. The court continues to hear those. Thanks for watching. Here's our interview. You're watching Coping with COVID-19 for Monday, April 20th. I'm Haley Wooden, and my guest today is Melinda Harrison. She's a former Canadian Olympic athlete, a certified executive coach, and the author of Personal Next, What We Can Learn from Elite Athletes About Navigating Career Transition, which comes out tomorrow. Melinda, hope you're doing well. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I know one of the terms that I think of when I think of elite athletes is personal best, sometimes at the top of their specific sport or best in the world. What can we learn from elite athletes about this idea of personal next? Well, it's a, it's a great concept, this personal best, but everybody reaches a personal best and then they have to figure out what is next. And that is often a challenging time in someone's life whether you're an elite athlete or any type of high performer. And I think, you know, one of the great things that I learned from this research is that athletes are going to go through this period called the messy middle. And it's, it's a difficult time, but they're able to, with some help, pivot out of that into their next version of themselves. Tell me a bit about what we go through or what elite athletes go through when they're in that messy middle, because I feel like it might be very relevant to entrepreneurs or others who find themselves in kind of this period of transition, given what we're going through collectively with COVID-19. It's completely relevant. And, you know, I, I experience it with my clients all the time. And even in my own life, I'm experiencing it with all the changes that are going on. So there are three stages to the messy middle. The first one is called gut checks. And that is really when you're looking at your situation and you're saying, can I keep going or do I need to shift? The second one is called unraveling. And that is the stage where who you really were in that other life 
comes apart and you have to start to understand who you want to be going forward. And then the third stage is when you're actually on the outside looking in. And that particular stage is very challenging because you're not used to being on the outside looking in. Absolutely. I feel like for many people, they're looking back at how things were with their business or with themselves personally pre-COVID. We're in this period of uncertainty now, and they're maybe looking ahead. They're not sure if they can go back to that. They maybe don't want to cut ties with what they had before. What kind of insight do you have on how people can navigate such uncertainty in their careers? So the first thing they need to do is take stock of where they're at. And so I have my clients do this little exercise and we do this exercise often where I have them grab a piece of paper and write down what the real facts are and what they maybe or almost real facts are and draw a line down the middle. So for example, if you're in a situation right now where you're concerned about your business, your real facts are your balance sheet. The not quite so fact, not quite so facts are the thought I'm going to lose everything. And even in that situation, it's so easy to go to the not quite so facts. So when we get that list of things that I can't back up with real data, then we divide that list into true and provide evidence or not so true because I don't have the evidence. So the stories we tell ourselves during these challenging times are not often true. And so we have to break it down to get a reality check on what is really going on. And then once you have the facts, most people that have created their business, the entrepreneurs, the athletes that have found ways to succeed, they can go back to that way that they've succeeded in the past and carry on with a plan going forward. I think about sometimes when it comes to telling ourselves these stories that aren't true can often be driven by fear, right? About those what ifs or what could happen. Mm -hmm. How do elite athletes practice managing fear? If that's something that they do practice and how can we maybe get better at managing fear and all of those what ifs that come to mind and getting to that point where we can do honest self-assessments? Right. So elite athletes, the, the world's best have coaches that help them do that. But I think for anybody else, what we need to do is realize that our anxiety comes from things that we don't know or are, or are unsure of. And so when we start to get that feeling of anxiety, we start to go into that what if scenarios, those things that the stories we tell ourselves. And that drives our thoughts, it drives our emotions, and then eventually can drive some negative actions. So first and foremost is what, you know, going back to that exercise of what is true versus what is not true. Another way that you can do that is by having what one of the practices that I suggest in my book, a secure base that you can have a real conversation with and say, I need some help deciphering out what is true in this situation and what is not true. Can you act as that secure base person for me to do that? For people who are maybe deciding now that they are going to have to rebuild something or maybe they've lost their business, they're not going to pursue that kind of business again and are looking to something new, 
how do they start to set a strong foundation for tackling that personal next? I think the first thing they need to do is say, what is it that I loved about what I did? And then what parts of that do I want to carry forward? And what parts do I want to leave behind? It really is an opportunity to, to step back and do an assessment of what was good about your life as an entrepreneur and what parts didn't you like and how do I want to move that forward? The next thing I suggest that people do is start to look for aspects of joy in their life. You know, we're told, find your purpose. I don't believe, actually, that you magically grab your pur purpose out of the sky. You have, to, you have to do things to figure out what your purpose is. And as you develop expertise and comfort in arenas, you start to like that arena even more. And this is one of the things that, you know, as an athlete, they were thrown in an environment at a very young age of which they got better and better and better at. And eventually they got so good that they got recognition and then they started to love it even more. And, you know, it just snowballs on itself. So what's important here is that we step back and ask people to think about, well, what actually brings you joy? And if you can find those triggers for joy, there's underlying messages that might help you figure out where you want to go in the future. So a good example for me is that I know I get joy out of watching people um, that are underdogs, that are struggling, that want to try and figure out what they want to do next. I know that because when I watch the Olympics and the individual wins that wasn't supposed to win, that gives me goosebumps. So I look for these signals of, you know, what brings me joy? And then I try and figure out, well, how does that apply in my business life? That's really good advice and helps us orient toward what's really important as opposed to chasing something that maybe won't actually bring us that joy or that happiness down the road, right? Right. I mean, how do you know your purpose if you've never done it? Done it? Right. You have, to go, you have to go out and discover it. And the only way you can discover it is by trying things and seeing how you feel about it. And so, you know, if you're looking back on the successes you've had, what was it about those successes that you loved? And then how do you want to try and recreate that experience? And doing the research for this book, and there's quite a bit of research in it, the findings really interesting. I had the chance Thank to look you. through. What were some of the things that surprised you? What did you learn that maybe uh, you weren't aware of, even though you do, of course, have a have past as a, an elite athlete yourself? It's a great question. And, you know, what I learned, the biggest takeaway was that every single one of my interviewees, all 103 of them went through that messy middle period. So as an athlete, I thought, oh, I was the only one that did that. And in learning from other people, I learned that everybody goes through that time. And it's actually okay. So we tend to look at this period as, you know, something that isn't okay. But it actually is okay because it, it helps you as you move through it, discover what's important to you. And without that period, you're just going to keep going on autopilot on what you used to do. Is it okay to grieve? Absolutely. You have to grieve. You know, I had my mom read the book 
and my mom's 87. I lost my dad when he was 80 or just before his 80th birthday. And she actually said, you know, there's so much in this that I learned of the process I went through with your dad that I didn't really realize that I was going through it. And grieving is a part of that. When you, when you love something or when you, even if you don't love it, when you do it to the level of expertise that high performers do it, when that goes away from you, you've lost something and you have to deal with that loss. And that loss is not just the loss of expertise. It's a loss of all the relationships around you. It's the loss of the opportunity to show that you matter. Um, you know, we all want to feel relevant in our life. And when we lose something, we lose that relevancy and we have to try and figure out how to get relevant again. So I would say that was the biggest takeaway is that I was not alone. Absolutely. And I think maybe one of the positives to come out of this very difficult time is that it is fairly easy for people to see they aren't alone. It's devastating the impact, uh, the scale of the impact, the scope of the impact. But I think a lot of people at least know that what they're going through is not unique to them. I know. And it's amazing how the community has is pulling together. I mean, I had a um, FaceTime call with, with um, three of my roommates from college that I hadn't talked to in 30 years. And so, you know, isn't that interesting that it took this for me to go back to that time in my life and to connect, reconnect with them. Um, but there are some really great stories about connection. And when it comes down to it, when you're feeling lost, there's a great book out by John, John, Johan Hari, and it's called Lost Connections. And he really gets to the point of, this idea that we've lost the connections in our lives. And this is a big reminder that no, actually, we haven't lost them. We just need to reach out and get them. Yeah, they're hibernating or on pause or however you want to look at it. Yes. I know for me personally, I'm certainly more in touch with my family and friends than I think I've ever been. The technology's always been there, mm -hmm. uh, but maybe it took the opportunity or it took the thinking about it, whatever it was. It has certainly been nice to have that connection. I also think it's, um, you know, we get so much on our to-do list. Again, as a high performer, you know you have to do things every day to keep going towards those goals. But the dark side of that is that you forget about the connections. And I know, I mean, a great example was my college roommates. You know, there are people that I really cared about a time in my life. Why didn't I reach out to them? Well, because I was in my own life in my own treadmill of life trying to get what I wanted to get. And so being able to, to connect with people is something that is really positive that's come out of this. Absolutely agreed. I want to ask you, uh, once people work through that messy middle and are maybe, tack maybe tackling the ascent to their personal next, is it okay to have a plan B, plan C, plan D, or does that distract from someone trying to focus and seriously achieve that personal next? So another great question, because as a high performing athlete, you have a single focus and then you go into this world of a personal next and you're an adult and there's no way that you can have that single focus again. Like you can't, the world doesn't bow to you needing a physio appointment. 
And so, in fact, it's very important that you have multidimensional things in your life because you're an adult and you have adult responsibilities. And so, you know, maybe one of those verticals that you're in is going to be the primary focus, but you can't recreate the life that you had as a high performance athlete. And that is one of the awarenesses that is so important for an athlete that you can't be that person that's going to throw the touchdown and have 100,000 people looking at you and cheering for you. Or if you miss it, booing you. It's just not going to happen. So you have to figure out, well, what, again, is important to me in that personal next? And there is a lot more things important than you just being cheered on in a stadium. For everyday people who maybe don't feel like they've achieved their personal best yet, but are transitioning to some extent, dealing with a lot of uncertainty and flux, what do you hope they take away from your book? That's a great question. Um, So first and foremost, I want them to realize, and I love the word you use yet. That's a very important word, that everybody has a timeline in their life. And in that timeline, some people achieve young, other people in middle age, and some people later on in life. And so, you know, it's your process. You're in charge of it. You will figure this out. But in terms of taking away from the book, what, what I really hope when I wrote the book is that people would realize that they're not alone, that everybody goes through a transition. Everybody goes through multiple transitions in their life and that there is a pathway to get through these transitions. And I use the acronym practices to help individuals get through the transition. And really it is these nine elements of high performance that in that messy middle are missed. And then you have to start to develop them again as you work towards your personal next. So I hope people gain energy around trying to figure out what their nine practices are and how they can develop them. And of course, anyone who picks up a copy of the book can learn a lot more about those nine practices and lots of more insights. Where can they get a copy? So it's available at indigo.ca and amazon.com right now, just because most of our bookstores are closed. I think all of our bookstores are closed. So right now, the only way you can get it is online. And you can either order a hard copy, which is in paperback, or you can order the Kindle or any other version, electronic version of it. Fantastic, Melinda, a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Haley. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. That's Melinda Harrison, the author of Personal Next, which comes out tomorrow, what we can learn from elite athletes about navigating career transition. Thanks for watching Coping with COVID-19. We'll be back tomorrow with a new video.